Welcome to Trapping Radio. My name is Sarah Gomez, and Jeff and I own a Trapping Radio now, as well as Predator Control Group, and I own She Traps along with Jeff and Dunlap Lure. So this is my first interview for Trapping Radio, so I'm really excited. Uh, I've been waiting a long time to do this, so I have a special guest here with me too, which I'll introduce here in just a second. But uh, as always, we'll start the show off by thanking our sponsors, and those are F&T for Harvesters, everything you need for trapping, hunting with hounds, and predator calling. And then we have Alan with uh, Funky Trap Tags and Hilltop Outdoors. Alan is a great guy and from Iowa, and one of my good friends, he helped me get started into trapping when I first started out. Uh, We live just about a half an hour from each other. So Alan was my go-to in the very beginning and he has always taken good care of me. So he's a good guy. And then we have Jeb uh, with Oki Cable and he is out of Oklahoma. So if you're interested in being a sponsor on the show, we do have some openings for that. There is some criteria involved. Uh, You need to be trustworthy. You need to be honest. You need to do what you say you're going to do and uh, you need to treat your customers good. So that's just the kind of the people that we do business with and the people that we want to be associated with. And, you know, as as listeners of the show, we want to um, connect you with with the best of the best. So uh, like I said, reach out to us if you're interested in being a sponsor. So I guess that kind of takes care of the opening remarks. And I am here at the Pennsylvania a convention and I am here with Newt Sterling. So I'm so excited to have you on the show, Newt. Thank you for uh, volunteering to do this. Kind of my guinea pig as we get this thing going. Um, I'm happy to be here. Yeah. Glad to do it for you. Well, thank you. Uh, I remember meeting you. It was um, Pennsylvania was my second convention I ever did. Um, as part of She Traps, and we were in the same building in Clearfield together. Yes, I remember. Yep, and uh, I saw you and met you, and I I just fell in love with you right there. Don't tell my wife <laughs> I that. I know, <laughs> but uh, we had so many good laughs at that show, and um, I just I remember you were you were so nice and and helpful at that show, and and you bought some of my She Traps shirts for your. Uh, for some of your family, I remember. And yes, yeah. I remember the one with Noah's Ark. No, it didn't say it's vegetables, only meat. Yeah, that's right. <laughs> I like that one. <laughs> yep. Um, so we're set up here at Pennsylvania, like I said, and today is setup day, and it's a nice breezy day. So I'm thankful for that. It's not a hundred degrees, but yeah, we got good weather this weekend. Yeah, we do. So you're set up here in building, what is this, building two? Two. Building two. Uh, The show is going to go up tomorrow. So if there are listeners out there um, that will hear this or are planning on coming to the Pennsylvania show or looking for some podcast material to listen to while they're driving here, which we are now on Spotify and uh, Amazon Music for all the people that stream uh, podcasts. So, um, but yeah, if you're coming to the show... Newt, you're set up in building two, and we are in building one. So, what do you have for sale for here at your booth? Mainly cable, 
snaring supplies. I'm big in the table. Everybody knows me as a professional snareman. Yes. And that be became a professional snaring, snaring because New Jersey outlawed the foothold trap. And I was either had to give up trapping or learn something. Really? And the first couple years... I said, these damn things ain't never going to work. And here I am catching just about every animal in the list. I got a bucket list of only a few animals in North America. Really? What are those animals on your bucket list? Wolverine, mountain lion, mm -hmm. kit fox, striped or spotted skunk. That's about it I can think of right off the top of my head. Mm -hmm. And you've caught everything, all the other species in, in the snares then? Bear, hogs, yep. of course all the fur bears, mm -hmm. Martin, Fisher. Mm -hmm. Even muskrats? Wolves, coyotes, muskrat, mink. <laughs> yep. Trying to think, just about everything, everything. you can name. Sure. Yeah. So you've been doing this trapping thing for a long time. Out of necessity. Tell me about a, it. I became a professional. I started trapping when I was a kid with my dad. We were originally from Pennsylvania. We moved to southern New Jersey in the Pine Barrens back in 64. And it was a hobby. Trapping was always a hobby. And I met a commercial fisherman that ran a charter boat back in 1971 when I bought my house in Port Republic. We became good friends and he taught me if you treat it like a job, you could make a living at it. Mm -hmm. So that's what I did. I started treating it like a job and made a living, made supplemental income. We mainly trapped muskrats. New Jersey was on the on the coast, the southern coast, muskrat was king. Okay. When we had a raccoon on a muskrat line eating the muskrats out of our traps, we were like pulling our hair out. What are we gonna do? <laughs> we had made so many stupid sets out of these books, hang a chicken in a tree, set a trap underneath of it. That no didn't know nothing. Because you were trying to catch the raccoons that way. Yeah. So it wasn't popular to catch raccoons. No, muskrat, that's where the money was. Just okay. trap the muskrat, trap muskrat. I mean, we did really good on muskrats. Mm -hmm. And this was a time of footholds or before or after they... Both, both. both footholds okay. and, and body grip traps we used. So you had to try to catch the raccoon. So did you, you figured it out or... No, we never figured it out. It took me years later, I met a man named Jimmy Merle active in the uh, Fur Takers of America, and we started Coastal Fur Takers. I was, I was his vice president, and he talked me into going to Trapper's College, and that was a big eye-opener. So that so, kind of took you to the next level, you would say, maybe? Yeah, I, I still had a problem with the snares after the first year. Mm -hmm. Dan Zern was my instructor. Second year, I went, I went back again. I skipped a year and I went back again. Same thing. Then the light bulb clicked. Mm -hmm. Just like turn the light on in a dark dark room, it just lit up. I seen trails 
where I was walking by for 30 years and not being able to see them. Hmm. And once you learn, once that bulb clicks, lights up, snaring becomes easy. Mm-hmm. You, the animal is showing you exactly where to kill them. Mm-hmm. That's what I always tell them. Where do you set the snares? Where the animal tells you, you he wants to be killed. Mm-hmm. That's it. Yep. Leave him show you there. Right. Once you learn how to pick those trails out, I can teach a person who has never foothold trapped to snare much faster than an experienced foothold trapper that's mm-hmm. never snared. Because mm-hmm. you got to knock that foothold mentality out of their head first before you can teach them how to snare. Mm-hmm. And snaring is so easy. It's so primitive, so easy. I mean, throughout the Bible they talk about snaring. Mm-hmm. That people, I show them, they say, this ain't going to work. i got to make it harder. So they have all these gimmicks out there. <laughs> yep. All you need is a roll of wire and, pe- and a snare. You're good to go. Yep. Catch anything in North America. Uh-huh. I just wrote a new book two years or three years ago, Snaring for Survival, being the, the shape that this country is in. We have to, might have to depend on that for our food. Mm-hmm. That is true. I mean... I remember when COVID came around and we thought, you know, our grocery store is going to close and, and all of that, you know, it's, it's a survival skill that people need to know how to do. It's going to come. If we don't get a, if Trump don't win this coming election, we're going to be doing it out of necessity, mm-hmm. not, not being mm-hmm. funny about it, but the way this country got diminished in the last two years, two and a half years, it's just unbelievable from no world, no no wars throughout the world with Trump ending the wars, building our military up to make it make it strong and, and respectful. Energy independent, and the list goes on and on. What he did in his short term, even with the COVID, when the mm-hmm. COVID hit, did not the heck out of his remaining years. But we got to do something. Mm-hmm. I agree. Yep. So, if we kind of take a step back, you said um, when uh, that pr- when uh, the advice was given to you to treat it like a job. How did how did that switch for you from how did you make that switch from it just being a hobby to really treating it like a job? I mean, what did you when do I, that was different? When I start just work harder at it, mm-hmm. longer hours. When I started making more money, snaring. I mean, more not snaring, trapping. I didn't know to snare that when that started. When I started making more money trapping per hour than I could in my cabinet making shop and boat building shop, I decided, hey, this is more fun and I'm making more money and I'm just going to keep growing. Sure. I think I first started tailgating with supplies in 98. I mean a tailgate, one, one table going to shows and it just grew from there. Okay, that's what I was going to ask is where where did your money come from? Was it... The fur market or tail. Well, we had a real or... good fur market too. Okay. In '78, I bought a brand new Ford F-150 four-wheel drive with muskrat money. Really? I wasn't around back then, so I well, didn't know. Muskrats. You could average probably six, seven dollars 
We had a lot of black rats in South Jersey. They would sell for up to 12. Wow. The brand new Ford F-150 on the lot, four-wheel drive, cost, with sticker price of $5,500. Oh, my goodness. So that gives you an idea what a muskrat was worth. Sure. To, in today's money, it would probably be like 75 bucks a yeah. piece. Yeah. When you can trap muskrats and buy a new truck at the end of the season. Wow. How the world has changed. Yep. Yep. Then I got into beaver and trapping beaver. Once you learn how to trap beaver, snare beaver, whatever catch the beaver that opens up a whole new window for you to every landowner who has beaver on their property most likely 99 percent has, has beaver problems mm -hmm. he's going to let you trap the rest of the fur on his property for the privilege of trapping for, for taking his beaver out of, out of there or he's going to pay you mm -hmm. so you just did both of those things yeah i did both yeah hired and So where to go from beaver? I mean, did the coyotes ever come into into a good market? I trapped or? a good amount of coyotes, but I'm not no big coyote man. Okay. Did a lot of research and development for the blow foot foothold. I mean, foot the blow foot snare down in okay. Texas. Mm -hmm. I was making a DVD on the blow six inch foothold for coyotes and cats. Bobcats, mm -hmm. and we had two years of shooting in Texas. Then Benoit Bleal is his name. Sent us, I think it was like seventy-five of the new stainless steel Bleal six six-inch footholds, foot snares. And it just threw a monkey wrench into everything that we did. It, it's the same exact dies that make both traps, but that stainless is so much faster, so much we had another learning curve to learn how to use that. So just flew that, every, everything we taped, <laughs> gone, because yep. that stainless steel was so much better. Sure, yeah. It's just un unbelievable how well that catches up. My favorite foothold, as I said, I did a lot of state hopping, so I, I was able to use foothold still. I'm known for snares, but I know how to use every trap. Mm -hmm. My favorite foothold is Sleepy Creek number three, double long, all set. Mm -hmm. I will put that Bleal foothold next to that any day of the week for canines and cats. Okay, yep. It's that effective. Mm -hmm. <coughs> so, um,. So you said you've mentioned state hopping a, a few times. You want to talk a little bit about, you know, different places you've trapped, different animals, and, and kind of how, I how, got how in, did you get into that? How I got into that is actually being asked on different people's trap lines from different states. Okay. Like he, he, he wanted to learn snaring off of me, and I wanted to trap his state, so we do, we just team oh. up. Mm-hmm. And it took off from there, and I did that quite a few different times, trading things. I think that's how me and Clint got hooked up together. I had a place in North Carolina, and we got friends. And said, well, let's run a long line on Beaver and Otter, North Carolina. They had a 
72 hour check with body grip traps. So we could run a lot of traps in three days. When we pulled that line up, we actually had a standard eight foot bed pickup truck heaped with body grips. Really? Heaped. And off you went. Well, we didn't have the truck. I brought every one of mine. He brought every one of his, and we called up for sponsors for the D. Well, we were making the DVD. That sponsor send us traps to use their traps. <laughs> so you thought if you're going to go on a trapping trip, you might as well make a DVD out of it. Yeah, that's how me and Clint hooked up. Okay. We met at uh, the Trappers Convention someplace. I forgot where it was so long ago, and we just became friends. Okay, so that kind of kicked off your friendship, and did you do um, other, did you, I assume you trapped with them more than that, or? We made three DVDs, we made Riverin, there's a combination of foothold, snare, and body grip, we made Otterly Simple, which was mainly foothold and body grip. I don't know if we have any snared otters in that or not. And then we made turtles by the ton. One night we were watching, I had a place set up at an old tobacco barn. I was leasing the land, had the tobacco barn on, I had a camper on there, and set up like a permanent living situation. <laughs> so we had comforts, all the comforts of home. Great place to skin, warm up. We had a wood stove in there and everything in the tobacco barn. And we, after we got done work one night, we were eating dinner, we would buy and bring everybody trapping DVDs and watch trapping DVDs. Mm-hmm. And we watched somebody's turtle DVD. And we seen that, we both looked at each other and said, we got to make a turtle <laughs> DVD. This guy don't know nothing. I'm just trying to think. I don't want to mention no get his name wrong. I better not say anything. There's a man that has a real good DVD out. I can't get his name off off my top of my head now. I'll think about it. Hmm. I I got I come to come down with Parkinson's and I'm getting it's starting to affect me a little bit on my memory. Uh But I wouldn't I wouldn't have put a acknowledgement of how good his turtle dvd is like just can't think of his name we can add it to the show notes um after the show when we when we think about it so okay. we, we can put it in the notes yeah, it is bothers me about this disease yeah. i got that i'm not top notch no yeah. more but i'm 72 i guess i'm just doing all right for what i'm doing yeah. i can't long line no more i can't put in the long hours mm-hmm. and it's like my mind keeps saying, yeah, let's go, let's go, let's go. But the old body says, you done wore me out. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> That's another thing. All you young trappers out there, if you want to go do something, do it while you're young. Money doesn't mean nothing, but the memories in, that I had had traveling the country, trapping the places I've seen, the sights, the experiences, just unbelievable. Mm-hmm. And the people, I mean. Oh, yeah, the people, the people in this industry is just totally great. Yeah. You meet so many different people. 
trappers. I did trappers conventions when I was building my business, snare one. I used to go to just about every trapper convention I did. I mean, I could. Mm. And I found that every trapper convention is the same. The accents just change. That is so true. All trappers from, could be North Carolina, Florida, New Haven make the extremes then you get into New Hampshire and Maine and stuff the accents are totally different but they're all you can sit down and they're all the same mm-hmm. yeah. totally so turtle trapping I've never done it I've, I've I did watch a little bit about turtle trapping uh, Red O'Hearn had did some turtle trapping in Iowa. Red, o, Red O'Hearn's a good turtle trapper. Yeah, and so I watched some of those videos, and it, it's interesting to me. Red O'Hearn's another professional. He does it for, because that's his living. Yes. You have to be good to make a living at this. Mm-hmm. And Kirby Avery, a trapper I ran into, made good friends with in North Carolina, always says a trapper is born, not made. Mm-hmm. You have to be born with that natural drive and understand the animals. To trap any animal, you have to study and know his habits better than he does. That way you can get ahead of, think ahead of what he's going to do next to catch him. Mm -hmm. Use his habits and instincts against him, turn it around, and boom, he's in your trap. But turtle trapping made me a lot of money. So tell me about tell me about how it did. I mean, you, so did you buy turtles? Were you a turtle buyer and and you trapped them? And- I started trapping turtles back in '72 when I met my commercial fisherman friend Kenny oh, okay. Wilson, Captain Kenny Wilson, and we went turtling. Told me how we were using wire traps, They're big and bulky at that time. But the first set we set twelve traps, and we. And we got 35 cents a pound for them. Mm-hmm. We shipped them to Philadelphia. We got 35 cents a pound. And we split $350, I think, that night out of 12 traps. <laughs> nice. So from then it was... From then I said... Get the turtles. This is it. Then, then I've come up with the... Chilling. Chilling. Rich Shelling. Okay. From Indiana, I think it is. That, that's, that's who Turtle Video is good, too. Mm-hmm. Of course, Monty Clint is good. They're both on par. He covers a little bit different things than I did, but they're bas- basically we got the same idea, the same thing. I think I've seen his D-traps, collapsible D-traps. So we used to put outriggers on our boat to carry these big wire ones. Maybe managed to get 24 of them on a boat, but now... In the same size boat, it's easy for me to put 50 of the D-traps D in. Mm, okay. Turtle trapping is over with commercially. Obama right. didn't outlaw exporting turtles, but he made it so that all the paperwork is like getting a passport for each individual turtle. We had a real good overseas market in China for live grow-out turtles. I was just going to ask, what kind of turtles 
were common, you after? Common snapper. Snapping turtles. Common snapper. And so you were selling them for the meat or for, for everything? Well, the, all the females got exported to China. Oh. I sold to a buyer. I didn't do the exporting myself. I, mm -hmm. I sold to a buyer. But I was getting three fifty a pound for females at the time. And what were they doing with them? They were shipping the females to China. I don't know how much he was getting a pound. That's not my business. Right. I was making my money. And I state hopped turtle trapping. Created a real good market in North Carolina. I treated trappers properly. I knew the trappers from the trapper conventions. Mm -hmm. I talked to them about how about turtle trapping. What a, yeah, we'd love to, but we don't have no market. Well, I will come down. I will pay you, pay you this much for trucking them back. This is the guy's name that I'm selling the turtles to. Truck them yourself. I'm just giving you a service of trucking turtles. Sure. One year I bought and sold 89,000 pounds of live turtles. Wow. That's a lot of that's a lot of that's a lot of moving things around. Yes, it was. A lot of work. Yeah. But everybody was making money. Mhm. Mm so everything worked out good but with the D traps. I can say it now because we don't have the market mm -hmm. and my state shut down commercial turtle trappings in the brackish water. There's more more turtles and more food in brackish water than there is in fresh water. So mm -hmm. there's a bigger bigger turtle harvest. But I would like to average 50, I mean 500 pounds a day. And with 50 traps, that's only 10 pounds per trap. So just do the numbers. Mm -hmm. No great big thing to catch 10 pounds the turtles in the turtle trap when you set them. Wow. And a 10-pounder is actually too small. We threw them back. Yeah. So what did you use for bait? Ah, uh, the secrets are coming out. <laughs> you don't have to say. I, I'm as not, a bait I'm maker. Turtle, I'm not turtle trapping. There's no commercial market no more. Mud shad, hickory shad. What, what, I'm trying to think of some other... Different names for it, but but hick, I think hickory shad is a true name for it. A lot okay. of places call it mud shad. Okay. But that is the best turtle bait there is. And All with right. turtle trapping, keep the bait fresh. Okay. Keep it in the cooler before you put it in the trap and change bait daily. And do not leave the trap set in the same spot overnight and keep moving them. Mm. And what I'm saying overnight, you can... You'll catch just as many turtles in the daytime as in the nighttime. Okay. It doesn't matter. I've handled so many turtles and it, selling them at three fifty a pound, if I made a mistake on a male that only got $2 a pound, that hurt my pocketbook bad. So yeah. I learned how to really sex a turtle. Okay. I got a standing offer with anybody who wants to challenge me. We'll sex 10 turtles at $100 a piece and see who takes takes out the best money. And guys would say, okay, I'll do it, I'll do it. I said, at 25 feet. <laughs> oh, at 25 feet? At 25 feet. Wow. With the turtles on the ground walking. Wow, new. That's what you gotta learn yeah. to, to make money in this. Because one, one mistake when you get $1.50 a pound cheaper it's going to cost you a lot of money when that turtle weighs 30 pounds. Mm -hmm. <laughs> yep.
then something about power shooting. Yeah. So uh, you've you mentioned early on you started going to conventions, and um, that's kind of you've always been consistent at coming to these conventions throughout your career and. Especially when I was and... building a business, as like last few years, last ten years, like my business snare one has been established. I didn't have to go get my face trying to push my products across the country. Okay. My Formula One, my books are fit and DVDs are selling themselves. Mm-hmm. And people, I'm, somehow I got a reputation. Be, being I'm honest and don't want to cheat no more, I got a repu- good reputation of, that my word is my oath. Yep. You know, if I tell you I'm going to do something, I want to do it. Mm-hmm. So it just spread that way. So for anybody that's newer to the trapping, what is Snare One? I, there are only a handful of snare makers in the country that are any good. There's thousands who build snares. Building a snare is not stringing beads. It's an art to build a snare and properly load it. One of the major things is the right cable. I use the best cable in the world that I possibly know of. It makes the whole difference of a snare. I can name, I know three. Riley Hess is one, myself. And there was another, there's another guy I was thinking of, I just can't think of his name, but uh, Ron Jones, that build that are true trappers, they trap for a living. If, you, if you're buying snares from somebody that traps as a hobby, guaranteed you're not getting a good snare. He has to, his life has to depend on his equipment. Mm-hmm. Good equipment makes you money, it does not cost you money. That is so true. That's mm-hmm. true in every trade. Mm-hmm. Well, before we turn the podcast on, you were telling me you were a bit wild and crazy back in the day. And uh, was is it really true, I, I heard through the grapevine, that you flew into a convention on a parachute wearing hip boots? Uh, no, the hip boots they wouldn't let me wear. So it's he, true. He said, maybe if you tape the tops. I said, well, if there's any danger of this, we won't bother with the hip boots. We'll just go into the convention. He says, well... Talk to me next year about flying into the convention. You really flew into a convention? Yeah. On a parachute? Yeah. We're Where at? Was land, it in, in uh, Orange, Virginia. The convention was set up, and there was an airport just below us, a couple hundred yards away. My grandson was with me. And I said, let's go down and get an airplane ride. So we went down... They wouldn't let him on the plane because he wasn't 21. So I had to fill out a big, long paper thinking that I was going to jump out of an airplane. I said, no, I ain't jumping out of an airplane. I will do all the paperwork, just take a ride. And I sat in the co-pilot seat. So we go up, making circles going up and up and up. And I think it was 13,500 feet. 1,300, 
Yeah. Yeah, thirteen hundred five hundred. Thirteen thousand five hundred feet. Thirteen thousand five hundred. I think that's the number. It was thirteen five. Anyhow, mm-hmm. it got up, and people are sitting there that been parachuting. They're by themselves. They're not set up tandem. And they're jumping out of the plane. Yeah, sideways, doing flips out the plane door and everything. And I looked. And all the experienced people out of the plane, and you know, these people are sitting back there with their instructor, jumping tandem, and their eyes were as big as dinner plates. <laughs> and they would ease them up to the doorway. The person that hooked up tandem to them, half of his feet were out in out of the airplane, half was in, and this—I mean, just a scared look on her mm-hmm. face, like you wouldn't believe. Then they're gone. And then the pilot looked back and seen that everybody was gone and took that plane and pushed on that yoke and we went (gasps) on the runway. And we sat there for 10 or 15 minutes waiting for the parachuters to come down. And I said to myself, self, if I can beat a parachutist down in an aircraft, I'm going to (laughs) jump. So the next day, I went and signed up to jump. I jumped, made two jumps tandem. Oh, my. Made one that year. And the thing to do is get a photographer to make a video of you as you go. It costs you a little bit more, but you got the memory of it. So you had, a, you had a photographer and yeah. a video person. Yeah, and then I had to do a demo about an hour after that. And I used to be a big drinker. And I haven't had a drink now in 25 years. Mm. But friends of mine, after that jump, would come up to me, put their arm around me, and whisper in my ear, said, Newt, what happened? You fall off the wagon? I don't want to see this shit. Oh. You fall off the wagon? Yeah. I said, no, I just jumped out of an airplane. <laughs> so, so I'm doing the demo. Yeah. And I hear the airplane go over, and I hear the parachute coming down. And I'm, I'm staring up at the sky like I'm... I was on drug, natural yeah. adrenaline, but I was like, I was out of it. I would just, people were looking at me like, what's he doing? He's just watching parachutes come down. He's out of it. <laughs> <laughs> Somehow I got through the demo. <laughs> oh, my. But that was the biggest high I ever had, that natural adrenaline. That was something else. Mm-hmm. My mouth was wide open the whole way down. I couldn't say a thing. <laughs> The photographer said, on the way down, I'm going to grab your hand, I'm going to spin you. Oh, yeah. So, um, we're going down, I see him slide over. You know, we're falling at 120 miles an hour, but it just feels like you're floating. He grabs my arm and spins me. I said, oh, man, I don't need this. Mm-hmm. And before we get up, taking short lessons, about a half hour's worth of what to do, <laughs> the... Uh, the instructor said, I'm going to loosen the strap around your hip. You're going to feel it loosen up about an inch. But don't worry, it ain't going to let you go. Then I'm going to tap you on the shoulder and do it again, but this time I'm going to do your shoulders. Don't worry, you won't fall. It's just going to loosen the strap up an inch. Makes it more comfortable and easier to land. And so he's tapping me on the shoulder and loosens that hip buckle, and I go, oh, I swore he just let me go. <laughs> I mean, I fell maybe yeah, a, an, an inch. inch. Then he did his shoulders, and the same thing happened. So 
we went through how we're going to land in the instruction. He said, we're going to land sitting down. Put your, we're going to land right on your butt, lift your feet up in the air, and we're going to slide on the landing. I said, okay. So that was all good. That was the first year. The next year, oh, uh, yeah, I tried to get guys to go with me from the convention. These big oh, trappers. Right. Big hulks. How'd trappers. that go? Yeah, right. <laughs> Nobody went. Nobody went. So the second year, we come back to Orange again. I said, anybody want to go parachuting? <laughs> come on, you chickens, let's go. Any takers? One guy. Okay. But he, he experienced in the military. Okay. So it wasn't his first time, mm-hmm. but he went tandem, too. Mm-hmm. So, anyhow, I signed up and went tandem. And, but after the first year, I said, any way we can land in the Trapper Convention? <laughs> he says, next year when you get here, come down, sign up. We have to get a special dispensation to land there. I said, okay. So I told him. Yeah, we picked a day that we were going to do it. So we went up, and sure enough, he said, this time we're going to land standing up. When, we, when I tell you to run, we're still in the air, but you just <laughs> run as fast as you oh can. So here I am, we're getting close to the ground. He says, okay, run. So I started running, and then my feet touched the ground. <laughs> it's like running down a mountain. You're trying to catch up to yourself. <laughs> By the time we stopped running, he had me unbuckled. We were just separated, just like we weren't even really? put together. And you we're land t- right at the convention. Everybody was watching? Everybody was watching. We Looking at it, it looked like we were going to hit the buildings. <laughs> then we got lower, it looked like we were going to hit the cars. Then it looked like we were going to hit the crowd of people. But <laughs> 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 it come off perfect. Oh, my goodness. You're one of a kind, new. Don't bet me to do anything. <laughs> I got nope. hurt a lot of times. Nope. <laughs> Here, hold my beer. Watch yep. this. Yep. <laughs> <laughs> oh. Did you ever get bit when you were turtle trapping? At least, at least five times a year. Oh. Never by the turtle that you're looking at. Always buy one that, oh. that you're not looking at. Maybe he's in the trap. You're reaching around around the trap to get another one. He bites you through the trap. Or you got a bag of turtles laying mm. in the bottom of the boat. You reach over to grab an oar or mm. jug of water or something. One will come through the thing. Come through the bag oh. and bite you right through the bag. It's just like trapping. As soon as you take your mind off what you're mm. doing, setting the trap, your fingers are in it. Yep. As soon as you take mm. your mind off of it. I, I got caught, I got my finger in a trap at the Illinois convention. I've been caught several times before, but that one, it hurt bad. It went real, I got a big scar. It went, it went real deep and blood everywhere. I finished the demo, but it hurt bad. But uh, I could never do turtle trapping. I watched, I watched the one video Red did, and I, that is not for me. No part of it. Not the, not the skinning them out. They, they're still moving. Well, I've They're had, I, I, I've killed, I used to butcher a lot, a lot of turtles, and I've, in the butchering process, I'll fill a barrel up with cold water, kill the turtle, cut their heads off, and throw them in the cold water. That way they stay cold and the blood doesn't get all over, it just makes mm-hmm. the water real bloody, and it's not a blood clots all over the, mm-hmm. thickening blood all over the place. 
and I usually do about 25 of them at a clip. So to butcher the 25 turtles after they're all packaged and put in the freezer, reach in the gut bucket, take a heart out and hold it, hold it, hold it in your hand and still beating. Still beating. Some of the worst turtle bites I ever got was from a severed head. That's crazy. I can't even imagine that. And to get a turtle off of you, whether he's alive or a severed head, you try to put a screwdriver in their mouth, mm. if he's alive or a severed head, to pry it open, he's going to clamp tighter. <gasps> How do you get him off? Take a little thin piece of wire, shove up the nostril, and just relax. Really? Handle enough turtles, you learn everything. Yeah, learn I guess. A lot, learn a lot of stuff. Hmm. I've ate turtle. Nick, Ernie, he he catches some turtles, and he always his family does a turtle soup, and they can the turtle soup, and he always brings it up during Lent, and we have the turtle soup on a Friday night during beaver trapping in the spring. So I like to eat it. Is it, it made so. like thick gravy? Uh, kind of. It's got the carrots and the green beans and corn and... Well, when I make mine, all the vegetables goes to a food mill. They're in it, but it just makes it... In a thick... It's a thick thing. Sure. Yeah. This was uh, not so thick, but very good. And the secret to turtle... To making turtle soup... Is the big cooking secret. It ain't no more because I'm blabbing it out. Yeah, what is it? Spill the tea. It takes, you, you have to put a lot of flour in it to thicken the meat, I mean, thicken your broth. Okay. In the cooking process, put your flour, the amount of flour that you're supposed to use as a recipe, put it on a roasting pan, stick it in the oven and let it broil mm. and keep flipping it until the okay. flour is all brown. Okay. Don't let it catch fire. Right. Because it burns yeah. really good. <laughs> Look out, I got a pan full of flour on my hand. Running across the mm-hmm. kitchen with a cookie sheet full of flour. It's on fire, and the faster you run, the more the flames come back and hit you in the arms. <laughs> <laughs> it's just like holding the wolf by the ears. You yeah. don't want to be there, but you sure don't want to let go. So, um, we talked last fall, and you had mentioned last fall you were getting ready for your school. Um, what, what, what's the, what do you, what about the school? South Jersey Trapping and Snaring School. South Jersey Trapping and Snaring School, okay. Yep. See, we got North and South Jersey. Okay. (laughs) (laughs) I've never been, I've never been to your state. South Jersey... You wouldn't believe what it compared to North Jersey what it is. We have the Pine Barrens in South Jersey, which is 1.5 million acres of nothing. Wow. We just had a forest fire, 5,000 acres, and I forgot near a house, home, mm. barn, dwelling, or anything. It's wow. big open space. Wow. We got the three of the cleanest rivers that are in my backyard on the entire East Coast. And the bay that they dump into before the bay dumps into the ocean is the cleanest bay on the entire East Coast. Wow. The Mullica River, Bass River, Wading River dump into Great Bay. This is my backyard. Wow. Beautiful. I want seafood. I just get in the boat and go Mm. go out. Even I can 
I got access. I own property out to a small, we call them cricks. What type of fish do you catch? And we, I can use a canoe to go out and catch crabs, white perch, catfish, mm-hmm. and everything right in the backyard. Plus, wow. when I go deer hunting mm-hmm. or deer shooting, as I call it, because I ain't hunting the handlers, I'm mm-hmm. just eating, hunting meat. I load my gun and step out the door. Mm. I've been all over the country in this location I got. I wouldn't give it up. And it's in New Jersey. Mm-hmm. We've got some crazy liberal laws, but I can't give up where I live. Yeah. I've never been any place where you can just go hunting whenever you want. Or sure. not whenever, in season. Right. On private land. And... Have access to all the seafood that you want, and commercial fish. I used to work offshore in clam boats during the mid '80s. Really? In the mid '80s, making 500 a week was something. We was making 600 dollars a day. Wow! Said so I was a heavy drinker. Yeah. The bar got all the money. Oh! <laughs> <laughs> commercial fishing is a rough life. Yeah. I was old. I was. Almost uh, mid thirties, and I was, I was an old man out there. <laughs> mid thirties, yeah. but then I commercial fish in the winter time. I'm re- rebuilding my boat, changing a different fishery, changing it around. Going to eel this uh, this uh, September. Start eeling eel right through until November, December. Then You're gonna what? Eel catching eels. Catching eels. Pot pot and eels. For what? People eat them? Eat them, export to Japan. What? I'm from Iowa. I don't don't know nothing about any of what you're talking about. (laughs) (laughs) It's a different world. Yeah. (laughs) Different world. So you're going to go eeling? Yeah, commercial eeling. Oh, my goodness. Like a big minnow trap. Okay. How big are they? They're about two and a half, three foot long. What? And about foot square. Oh my! Do you eat them? Oh, eels are delicious. What? Yeah, they're slimy as all. <laughs> they're delicious. There's a way to take the slime off an eel. Most people try to handle eels mm-hmm. to butcher or smoke. Smoked eels are really good. Okay. And they're fighting with all that slime and everything. You know what? trick to that all you gotta do is dump some table salt or some pickling salt in a five gallon bucket dump your eels in there and let them get coated with salt and they're dead in five minutes and uh-huh. uh the slime is off hmm. then you can handle them and skin them and cut them up make good bait for everything too mm. maybe we'll have to talk about that a little bit later well they good bait for all all of our predator animals. Yeah. And fish bait. Mm-hmm. And crab bait. Mm-hmm. Interesting. It's real, t- with the, hot, the skin on it, it's real hard to get off of a hook, so it stays mm-hmm. on real good. Sure. And I fight that white perch, which is like a great big fish trap. So anything that you catch and you can't legally keep, you can throw back oh, unharmed sure. by mm-hmm. catching them in the live trap. That's what it is, a big mm-hmm. fish live trap. Hmm. 
I just went salmon fishing and trout fishing up in Michigan and we took a charter out and I think we caught 18 big fish, uh, salmon, several different kinds of salmon. The only thing we didn't catch was a king salmon and we had Harry Nestle with F&T. He smoked all this all the fish for us did you bring me some trout tomorrow yes i have got it in the cooler so yeah, yeah i'll bring yeah. you some and he did an amazing job yeah i smoked that i smoked all my meats and fish yep that was really good i built my own smokehouse mm-hmm. yeah harry has his own smokehouse too yeah, wood fire yep he said Nothing he used fancy used three different kinds of wood and at different times and different temperatures he told me the whole thing i'd He's he's got it down to a to an art is what it is. It's yeah, he's an art. doing it. I was talking to him earlier. He's he's doing it. He does it commercially. Yep. So back to your school. Ah, oh, that's where we were. Yeah, that's where we were. We got three instructors: myself, Ron Jones, and Morgan Bennett. Ron Jones is big in uh, wildlife control and ADC. And fur, Morgan ADC, wildlife control, and fur trapper. Morgan is the world world champion raccoon skinner. He won every contest since he entered, and he finally just retired. Really? But on stage, he skinned a raccoon in 58 seconds. Sheesh. That's fast. In his first yet, I seen him do it huh. in 40 seconds. Oh, my goodness. But once you get on stage, it's crazy. Yeah. I got second place one year. There was three of us. <laughs> Morgan was 58 seconds. I was two, two minutes <laughs> and, and, and 20 seconds or uh-huh. something like that. And the other guy, he he come, he come in like uh, 10, 15 seconds after me. Mm-hmm. Hmm. I was, we were skinning beaver this fall or this uh, spring and me and Jeff were skinning beaver and we just, we were both skinning, weren't saying anything. It was quiet. And I could tell like when we both get a beaver at the exact same time and we both start skinning it, there is just an unspoken competition already. And so, uh, we're going and I could tell he's moving fast and I'm moving fast and I beat him and I said beat you and I just scared him to death you know because it was dead silent and I beat him and he's like well I didn't know we were racing bull yeah <laughs> yes you did <laughs> yes you did and I said I'll give you a second chance I said let's let's have a real competition and I beat him fair and square on skin and a beaver we should have timed it we didn't but yeah I was pretty proud of that yeah when me and Clint hooked up partner trapping Clint would do all the beaver I'd do everything else mm-hmm. he would flesh with the ulu oh yeah and I would do everything else and when I come to the otter tail I'd give him the otter tail to flesh mm-hmm. but we caught quite a bit of fur yep. together yeah good times now um well as you just probably found out today Jeff and I purchased uh predator control group from yeah, Clint congratulations thank you we're we're really excited and uh, we went down and spent a week with Clint and, and went over everything, and we're going to go back and see him for the 4th of July, so mm-hmm. we're going to head down there and spend time on the lake. He's got a beautiful home and just peaceful place. So That's great. Yep. One time me and Clint were trapping. We were on the river with my 
16 foot homemade boat skiff built heavy for commercial fishing when the light boat had to be trailered no way you can lift it very stable and I always wanted to get off the water by dark because we had all this skin to do every mm -hmm. night Clint wanted to push mm -hmm. set traps until he can't see and then drive the boat back down the river at night mm -hmm. to me night is made for skin and shed and leave the traps work <laughs> no, yeah. Not time to be out there. I don't like coon hunting no, at night or nothing no. like that. My traps are working. I'm sleeping. Exactly. Or watching TV. Yeah. It's been my theory. Mm -hmm. All the coon hunting I ever did, the youngest guy there and the smallest, I was always nominated to climb the tree and just <laughs> up the tree and put the light on the coon mm -hmm. so they could shoot it. Mm -hmm. Running through the woods at night just fogs my glasses. Can't see nothing. <laughs> so anyhow, we're trapping, and it's getting late in the afternoon. We come into a new area, and I seen a beaver run in shallow water. Maybe I'm doing hand signals to Sarah, <laughs> and you can't. People on the radio can't see my answer. Uh -huh. Maybe 18 inches of water. I seen the bottom where the sand was shiny. So, oh. so something was yeah, swimming there. Mm -hmm. So Clint didn't see what I seen because of the reflection in the water. And I put a trap there. And there's nothing around the trap. I mean, it's just flat sand, a 330 Belial, stabilized in the center of this shiny spot. And later Clint told me he thought I'd just put traps in the water just to get the traps out of the boat so we could turn around uh -huh. and go back. So then we come to a another sat in an old beaver lodge and he was up there kicking around and looking around the old beaver lodge for otter sets because that's what mainly they were bringing close to two hundred dollars at the time now on average so that's what we we're trapping you said you were trapping otter otter yeah beaver just came, came sure. in bycatch I, that year i started trapping in maine in october and wound up trapping in mississippi in february still for an otter mm, yeah i trapped the whole season just chasing otter mm -hmm. And so anyhow, I come to this slough near this old beaver house, and when I took my walking stick, I felt a log submerge about a foot off the bottom. And when I sounded the bottom, I felt where the slot was mm -hmm. in the bottom where things were going underneath the log, hitting the bank, and coming Aww. straight up and landing. Yep. So he would swim. Go yeah. underneath the log and hit, and the otters were shooting straight up. Yep. So I measured the depth and everything on a pole, fastened a 330 plow to it, and slid it down in the water. Got it right in the center there. Another set, Clint just said, What's he putting a trap there for? Mm -hmm. So three days later, it was a three day tent in North Carolina, we come back. There was a beaver in that, the one with the sand. There was an otter in there. Mm -hmm. I made a couple other sets that probably didn't catch because I don't remember them. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so I pulled up the fur every time Clay would say, I thought you just throwing a trap in the water so we'd yeah. go home. I thought you just throwing another <laughs> trap in the water so we'd go home. <laughs> I said, no, I wouldn't do that. That takes too much Yeah, work. that's a waste <laughs> of time, yeah. <laughs> when you set a trap, snare, whatever, and you're not sure it's going to catch it, you, you, your mind should be, I'm going to catch how many... Mm -hmm. When? 
Yeah. Not if. If you have that thing, if I'm going to catch one here, pick it up right now. Put it in your truck. Save your time. Yeah, that's great advice. Yeah. You send off good vibes. I believe this is true. If that set feels good to you. If it doesn't feel good to you, you're not going to catch nothing. Mm. Just that simple. Yeah, I, I would agree with that. And the biggest thing to learn in location. Well, if you're not on location, you ain't going to catch nothing. Mm-hmm. Location, be confident of your set and your equipment. Know the animal's behavior, habits, instincts. Use them against them. Learn how to read sign. Mm-hmm. You can have physical sign, meaning tracks, scat, chewings from a beaver, runs and stuff like that you see beaver they 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 make big runs and stuff like that it's easy to see their sign but you got to read all sign learn how to to snare a mink you got to read the sign that's really hard to do because mm-hmm. they leave so little sign when they're running mm-hmm. traveling but snaring mink mink snare is the best tool for a mink a body grip they like to avoid them mm-hmm footholds that they ring out but the snare once it catches them and there's totally no fur damage or leather burn with a snare on a mink and muskrat the same way mm-hmm. interesting trick if you catch an animal in a snare it will leave a burn mark that's called on the leather the little blood vessels right underneath the skin on the leather side will break. And the blood will build up on that underneath that snare cable if you leave it on. So if you have to dispatch the animal, dispatch the animal, cut the snare off, and take where that snare was and rub it and rub it and rub it like you're washing a pair of socks and comb it or brush it back down. Mm-hmm. And all the hair follicles will lay totally back into place. Really? I did not know that. And that way you can't see it on the fur side that the snare was on it. Okay. And on the leather side, it dissipates that red mark, and you can't even oh. see where it... Sometimes it totally disappears, but most of the time it's hardly even noticeable. It looks like a 330 hit. Hmm. Interesting. It's like going... If, leaving that hair with that snare on it, it's like going to bed with your hair wet. Yeah. And it dries all kinds of weird directions. Mm-hmm. And that's the way it's going to stay until you wet it again. Yeah. Same way with that animal. With that body heat still there, if you put that hair back, it's going to cool off. And that hair is going to be laid perfectly flat again. Hmm. Interesting. Cooned, especially. You can do that coon and wipe out that snare mark. Mm-hmm. I sell to Tom Zander, or Harry Zanders. And... Very, very seldom I ever get downgraded on a snare from a snare. When I do get downgraded, it's physically, you can see it, but a small red line on that leather doesn't mean nothing. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So a lot, of, a lot of fur dealers, because Harry, he's in New Jersey, got a lot of trappers, he snare a lot of coon in New Jersey. So he knows how to buy the fur. Mm-hmm. He's been in business for I don't know how many longer than I've been ever trapping. Mm-hmm. So he knows what he's doing if he's still in business. Yep. So 
So, so if you're getting knocked down for fur mark, for snare marks, Do try it. Harry out. Yep. Okay. Well, I think that's a a good place to end with some great advice. So, I guess it's about about that time. That Get went fast. Here. It did. Yeah. I had so much fun with you. Thank you. Yeah, thanks for thanks for being on I the podcast. It. I enjoyed it. All right. Well, if people want to look you up, how can they find you? Snareone.com. That's S-N-A-S-N-A-R-E. <laughs> New word. One. O-N-E. Yep. Snareone. Snareone.com. Or my phone number is 609-338-7019. Leave a message because I don't pick the phone up all the time because I get about 30 telemarketers a day. I can't get nothing done if I'm up. But if you leave a message, I'll call you right back. Alrighty. Sounds good. Thanks again. This is a lot of fun. Yep. Thanks. Thanks, Newt. Okay, as an added clip, uh, in true Newt Sterling fashion, he got sidetracked. And we didn't finish talking completely about the school. So, Newt, if you just want to tell us just a little bit more information about the school and how folks can sign up and kind of how it runs, what is the format of the school? We, this is probably, I don't have a... I didn't count the years. It's getting close to 10 or more that we had the school running. It's two and a half days. We start on Friday at noon, sign in, get acquainted, get into some work in the shop that evening with DVD, I mean, with videos and slides and stuff like that, stuff that we can do at night. Then the next morning we start abruptly at 7 o'clock. We do tide water. We cover snaring, footholds. Yes, yeah, so I mean we are in New Jersey. We use mock footholds to teach a foothold trap because we can't even own one in this state. Body grip traps, DPs. We teach you how to catch most trappers, fur trappers, trap the 80% of the animals and they leave it at that. We teach you how to catch the 20% that are left by the 80 that the other trappers leave. Mm -hmm. So the 80% comes easy once you learn how to catch the hard ones. The classes start at 7 and the classes last 8 or 9 o'clock at night. When the students get tired, the instructors will stop talking. That's, that's about what happens when they, 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 I had enough for the day. Let's we got tomorrow. We don't excel on, or don't, we don't concentrate on making big fur catches. We just teach you how to put the sets in. We do leave some sets. We do catch some fur for skinning purposes, but we're not trying to pile up a bunch of fur. It just takes up more time mm -hmm. in the field. We try to bend it for each student, which they want to hear, hear or see. Heavy and duty in the snaring and body grip traps. Okay. We teach to collar them, to blow foot, foot, foot snare, 
neck snares. So we feed you, and a lot of guys make a joke at it. We put such a good feed on. I'm only coming back next year because of your clam chowder and this stuff. And we, I mean, if you go away hungry, any meal that we have, you are it's your own fault because we have a big uh, Ann and uh, and Greg. They do all the cooking stuff, and Annie's a good cook and. I make clam chowder every year. Mm -hmm. Some most years I make turtle soup. I don't know if I'll do that this year or not. But the cost is only five hundred. I mean, only six hundred dollars for the three days. Okay. And uh, is lodging? Lodging is close by. Okay. About eight miles away is where the motel. There's a three. Actually, there's three ways into Atlantic City, and route. 30, the White Horse Pike is one of them, which is eight miles away, and it's off-season. There's a motel after motel after motel, all your major brands, all competing with each other, so the most reasonable price that you'll find in the country at that time of year. Okay. And what time of year is this? Third week in January. I don't have a schedule in front of me. I think it's 21, 22, and 23 this year. I might be wrong. So third week in January, and it starts on a Friday at noon. Yeah. Yep. Okay. And contact me to sign up. Okay. We require a deposit, a non-refundable deposit. And once you get a hold of me, send me your deposit, you're on the list. And how many how many students do you take? We'd like to limit it about 20, 22. Okay. Sometimes, sometimes we'll go over. Mm-hmm. All kids right. are welcome. This year, the kid, the kids are half price. So, so if you got youngster wants to come that's under eighteen, he's half price. Perfect. All right. Anything else on the school? Oh, you uh, mentioned your email address, but uh, we forgot to mention your email address. Uh, my email address is snare one at msn dot com. Snare one spelled out. Yep. We've had students at the school from Alaska, Canada, just about every state in the union. Mm -hmm. it's, it's, we don't advertise besides word of mouth and maybe this broadcast, mm -hmm. but we don't advertise no magazine because we don't need to. We fill up. Yep. So get a hold of me soon because we are filling up for this year. Alrighty. Sounds All right. good. Thank you.